incredible. <laughs> Felt like we can go on like, yeah, I don't know why I'm preaching. Um, while, while we were uh, worshiping um, I was, uh, and standing here in front, I just thought about what, what, do, we, what do we place our hope in in this life? Um, it's actually so frail or what is it, Bruce? It just breaks off in comparison to looking to Jesus and what He has done for us and just the eternal sacrifice of Jesus for each one of us. And there's a scripture that I, that I got reminded of that He is faithful to complete the work that He has started in us. And I think sometimes we, we start off this journey with Jesus and it's, it's so hoo-ha and then there comes a moment that we face like, oh my, where am I finding myself now? But that faith that we place, we don't place in our own ability to run this race, but we place it in Him. And that gives us eternal hope to you know, just cling on to Him and say, Jesus, You are the, are the strong one that can keep us till the very end and form something beautiful in us. Amen. Like, uh, so, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Henry Lotergan. Um, Not my wife's name is Brigitta. She's unfortunately sick. She, yes, yeah, she almost leopard crawled to the car. She's like, I need to be there. I'm like, you're not going to be there. You're so sick. <laughs> um, so she sends a love. And uh, she was about to actually in this preach here, testimony. I'm like, Liffy, it's your big break. You can share in front of the church today. And she's like, no, never mind. <laughs> Let's just leave that. Um, so I want to pray for us and then we can... Um, get going. Father, we, oh, we thank you for moments like these where we can just, um, in a sense, be face to face. That is the very gift of God that no longer we have to go through priests and through men and through sacrifices, but we can come freely to you, Lord. And oh, Father, we just thank you for moments like these where it's just precious, God, precious. It's like flag moments in our life where we can look back and say, God, did something in my life there. I encountered not only the concept of God, but I encountered Jesus Christ, the living God, who was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, I trust even through this message that it wouldn't just be something of, of words or eloquent preaching or just a couple of points that we run through, Father, but I trust that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I trust that as we listen to your words, God, even me, Father, as we listen to your words, that faith will be stirred in our hearts to run this race in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm quite out of breath after this worship. Let me just have a sip of water. Thanks, Nika. Maybe we can put up, I'm going to speak about genuine faith um, this evening, building up I don't know if it's like a mini-series busy happening, but none of us prepped this. Like, Mac preached about um, just fighting for faith in, in this year, and Leonard last week preached about uh, faith and faithfulness, that we need not only faithfulness, but faith in the faithfulness. And I want to share something a little bit different, and it might be a little bit challenging, but about a genuine faith and what the Lord wants to actually come and birth within us as a congregation. But I want to start off by actually asking a question and focusing a little bit on a question um, and then applying that question to an area of our lives um, that I've found very dear in the past couple of years, and that is the question of why. 
I don't know if you've asked that question ever in your life. Why? Why this? Why that? Why did that happen? Why do you do it like that and not like this? And the question of why actually is a question of exposing purpose. Because actually what we're asking through the question why is what is the purpose behind that thing? Or what is the purpose behind that person or that appliance that you're using? Why are you using that side of the knife? Shouldn't it be the sharp side? And you ask these certain um, questions to have the pur- find out the purpose behind it. And I think it's so important, um, this question why, and because it exposes purpose. And I believe purpose is one of those foundational needs in the life of a human being, that we need to find out why we are sitting here, why we are doing what we are doing. Because if we look at, to a large extent, through a, a lens that there is no God, and there is no Christianity, and there's no, nothing more than us, then the purpose of why is actually quite meaningless. Because we wake up, we do a couple of things, we go through a couple of things, but tomorrow we die. But God answers, it's the only one that I believe, answers the question of why, that deep why in our hearts of why we exist and why do we go through certain things. And I want to apply the question why to another word that says why difficulties. Why do we go through certain difficulties in this life? And actually, just to put a disclaimer here in the beginning, I don't want to touch on like the big things of life, for example, murder and death and, and suffering and, and tornadoes and those type of things. But what I actually want to do, I want to apply difficulties a bit more personal to you and me sitting here and difficulties in the areas of our walk with God. And specifically to things that I wrote down here, when you are facing a time that you're struggling to hear the Lord, that is sometimes a difficulty in your life because it feels like you're in the desert God is not there, what should I do? And it's a lonely place sometimes to be. Other times when you're actually in a worship session like this, everybody's jumping and screaming, and it just looks like everybody is so on fire for the Lord, and then you do this little bit of introspection, and I'm like, I'm not like that. And you face yourself to an extent, and you're like, Jesse, do I even have Jesus? And it actually is, it's a, it's a kind of difficulty in your life to confront sometimes the deep question marks in your heart. Another one that I face on a weekly basis is actually, I'm quite a planner, if you get to know me, that I plan my week, I plan certain things, but it feels like every week I plan to fail because every time I plan something, then it just, it doesn't work out that way. Anybody can relate? Like, I think, especially when you come to January, so me and Brigitte, we are like, we love vision, we like the big things of life, and we like to look at where the Lord will lead us and pray to Him, and then we, January hit, and you put this, in a sense, what do you call it, uh, New Year's resolutions out. Yes, see, it's the weirdest thing to do it in January, because we didn't stick to our eating plan one week in, we didn't exercise the amount we want to, nothing just works out according to plan, um, or can I say your plan? Um, and I want to read us a scripture and apply this why question to the difficulties using a biblical lens and saying, God, what do you have to say regarding this? And what do you actually want to form within us when we apply the why to difficulties? And I want to look at two scriptures, 1 Peter 1, I think it's 6 and 7, and then James 1 and 2. And Peter is writing to a church that's facing persecution for their faith 
and very, very much a difficult time that they're going through. And he says the following, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have, have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And if we look at the scripture, we're having like a little screenshot or a snapshot through the mind of God, through writing through Peter to us actually today um, in this situation. And we can see actually that these difficult things is happening to this group of people so that they can see that they have a genuine faith in God. They are facing certain trials and turbulations and difficulties so that they can be a testing of their faith. And they can look back and say, we've trusted God. We've held on to God through this. And another scripture, James 1 verse 2, says the following, Consider it pure joy. You see, that's difficult, eh? That's difficult when your petrol runs out and you're next to the road and you're like, count it all for joy. That last week when you don't have money to buy, I don't know, another smoothie or a coffee, a flat white, and it's like, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whether you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. I believe it's the grace of God extended to Christians to go through trials. That's a big thing to say. I believe God extends grace in this side of eternity so that we can go through testing and trials and things like that so that we know if we fail on this side, we can still say, God, I still need you. I need you. I'm messing up. I'm not doing well. I'm realigning me, realign me back to you. Because if God left us to that day, most of us, if many of us, might have not made it. We need to see a different perspective, a biblical perspective, if we look at, at, at calamities and difficulties and, and just struggles in our life. Because it's so, so, so easily that it can weigh us down to a place of discouragement and hopelessness. But there's a great joy and a great hope when we face difficulties. Can I hear a hallelujah? hallelujah. So anyone that wants to get a tattoo, this is hope, guys. Not, um, yeah, I get all my strength in Jesus and all of those things. Just say, I count it all joy when I meet all these trials and turbulations in this life. I want to... I want to tell you guys a story that I heard about two weeks ago about a pastor um, in Hawaii. And he leads a mega church of 12,000 people. Okay? That's quite a big church, a little bit bigger than ours, only slightly. And one week, he got a phone call uh, from one of his deacons in the church or the people that employed, and he said, We lost the venue. We lost the venue. And he goes all in panic, like, Oh my God, we lost the venue. And that 12,000 people had to find a place where they will meet on the weekend. So they planned and planned and planned, and they found this big park where they will put up this big tent, 
And in this big tent, they have to divide up the church into three services, 4,000 people each. One the Saturday night, two the Sunday morning. That's a massive meeting. They had to rent this tent, they had to rent a lot of sound equipment because they didn't have all of that. And they started to put up this big tent, prepare a lot of money and investment go into this. And all of a sudden, he looks at the weather. And he's like, oh, live a lulu, like the Afrikaans man would say. And he's like, there's rain on the way. And he goes into this fasting spree. He's like, Lord, Lord, can you see the 12,000 people? Can you see this big church? And he starts to pray and, and petition God and say, God, please don't let it rain. Come on. Just this one time, God, look what I've done for you. And he starts to bargain with God, like, just this one time, I'll, I'll give my life to you fully. Just take away the rain for the weekend. And he just goes at it in prayer. The Saturday evening comes, and he's busy with the announcements, and the worship comes. It's in my bag, yeah. <laughs> in the front pocket. Okay. They lock the children inside. <laughs> I don't know why she wants the keys. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> Shame. <laughs> They really locked the kids in there. <laughs> Sorry, parents. <laughs> We're trying to help you. At least they're safe in there. With Ulrich. Great. So he was praying and praying, and as he was doing this announcements and the worship went, it started to drizzle. And he's like, oh. And disappointment started actually to enter his heart, and he's like, why, Lord? Why? Like, I asked you so much regarding this, and I fasted, and I, I did everything. Why? The next morning came, more rain on its way. Through the service, it started to rain even more. The people on the sides that were sitting outside of the tent had to move a little bit in. It was uncomfortable, and it rained again. The next service came, and it poured. And something in this pastor, as he was telling the story, you can actually see like he, he felt disappointment in God. And how many times don't actually all of us come to a place and you ask, why God? Why does my family, it always feels like everybody's family is fine and mine is falling apart. It feels like everybody in Stellenbosch has a lot of money, but now I'm sitting here. And all of us have these why questions when we consider God and we consider just these questions we ask to, to God and we're like, it doesn't make sense. And this pastor wrestled with it. And in a sense, he lost faith in God. He's like, I really did trust you. And then God spoke to him. And he told this pastor that you rather want the difficulty, the rain to be away, than me present in your meetings. That you wanted to pray the rain away and the difficulties away rather than me. And he broke and it changed his life completely. That something in him rather wanted to be without difficulty than with God. And how many times don't we have those innocence prayers that's put us in the middle and for our comfort and our satisfaction rather to have more of Jesus. Brigitte was going to share a testimony that she went through and the test that she went through this past two weeks. And um, it, was, it was actually quite tough for her because she, she runs her own business and she's quite a calm and collective person. If you would meet her, she doesn't stress about many things um, in front of people. Um, and, 
But she's actually quite composed when it comes to difficult situations and things like that. And this past couple of weeks, she had to make some big calls for the business, employing somebody. And she started to feel anxious and overwhelmed and actually started to self-rely on, on, like to rely on herself for these decisions. And through this past two weeks, she found herself at places that she was like, yes, Lord, I didn't dedicate my decisions and my things to you. And ironically, things turned out exactly how she wanted it. And she employed somebody. And it was the perfect person. This person left um, a massive salary to go work for Brigitta. And, and Brigitta's like, what? what? What's going on here? And the next day, she, the, the person phoned and she's like, no, I'm not going to take it anymore. And she's like, what? And then God spoke to Brigitta and he said to her, it's just a test. It's just a test. I just wanted to test that you still trust me. I don't want you to employ actually somebody now. And something in her just broke, and she's like, oh, Lord, Lord, why did I put all this anxiety and stress and things on myself? Couldn't I just rather just trust you? But we need to go through these difficulties to see if we're still on the straight and narrow and saying, I trust and put my whole faith in you. It's so important for us to go through this test. Um, Paul the Apostle, that wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament, have this, this prayer that he, or this moment in his life that he gives to us. I think it's the end of 2 Corinthians. Um, I don't have the reference here, but it speaks about that he prays to God twice to remove a thorn in the flesh. And have you ever had a thorn in your flesh? Here, see, that thing is irritating. Like, you can't go, carry on. Even if you have like a plucky and there's like a thorn through your plucky. Like the whole world needs to stop for you to get that thorn out of your plucky. Like nothing can carry on. And how is it like in your own life that you feel like you can't carry on if there's a difficulty? Like your whole prayer life stops. Your whole family needs to stop. There's a difficulty in my life and I need to sort this out. And twice Paul prayed, God, and this is like a guy, his prayers quite get answered in life, Right? I have like a three or four out of ten strike rate. He's like an eight or nine when it comes to his prayer life. And he prays twice, God, take this thorn away. And God answers him back and he says, no. I'm keeping this thorn in your life so that you would stay humble. And I struggled with that. I'm like, yes, but God is then the good God. The God who, who loves us and appreciates us and what's good for us. Yes. But maybe that was the best thing for Paul. Because it says it would keep him humble. And that makes my thought go, and it's like, is it maybe that Paul had a tendency, maybe, to get into pride? Is there a tendency because he was so driven and his love for the church and want to expand the kingdom of God that he could have taken it in his own hands because he was quite an intellectual guy and he could have built the church of God because God gave him the revelation of how to build this thing? Couldn't he have just ran on his own and started to build something? And God kept him and say, the best place for dependency for you to be, and I'm going to help you with that, is with a thorn in your side. Maybe the grace of God on your life is to have a little thorn in the side and it's just not going away. I know there's an area in my life, and I've, I've, I've spoken about it uh, quite a couple of times, about mental health in my life that I, I feel I've, I'm walking in, in so much victory than two, three, four years ago. And many times during that dark times a couple of years ago, I'm like, yes, God, why me? Why do I need to struggle through this thing? 
Yes, but it kept me dependent. It kept me holding on. And now looking back where I'm, I'm finding myself at, at, at to a measure of breakthrough and walking in freedom and loving God and, and walking in intimacy and enjoying God and, and waking up and not feeling that burden anymore, I can look back and say, yes, God, it was your grace. Yes, it kept me holding on to Him, close to Him. It might be just the grace of God to test the genuineness of our faith. I want to look at four areas, going to make it a bit more practical for the practical people in our midst. I read John 6 the other day, and it just, the Lord highlighted me how He's testing people in this chapter. And as I looked at that, I'm like, oh, yeah, you see, the Lord is testing me as well as I'm reading this. And I, I just want to read some scriptures to us and mention some tests that you might be going through and we and might be facing reasonably soon as the Lord might bring this on your path. But see it as a test to pass. The teacher doesn't invest a year or the lecturer doesn't invest a year in your life so that you can fail at the end of the year. He has better things to do. They invest so that you can pass. A good teacher will invest in your life so that you will pass those tests. So let's look at four tests that's in um, John 6. Verse 5 to 7, it speaks about the test of self-reliance. It says the following, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked us only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months of wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. We find Jesus sitting maybe on a hill from afar, and there's this massive crowd coming towards him. These people are coming to hear his teachings, to hear this great preacher, and he knows these people are coming from afar and needs food. He looks at them and he knows that they will need food. He knows the needs of those people. And he's just like, this is a good testing moment. And he turns to Philip and he's like, you see, Philip, what shall we do about this problem? What do you think? And many, how many times have you don't face in your life, you face a difficulty and God is like, what are we going to do about this? What about this thing coming your way? And you start to get anxious. You start to make plans. You put up five budgets. You even call in the... I don't know, I almost said excise students, but they do other stuff. The CAs in our midst and the smart people, and you even call people that works on COVID-19 um, viruses and stuff, and you bring them in and like, there is a problem, we need to figure this thing out. But God already knew the answer. And we know from the story that Philip started to self-rely on his own knowledge to solve this problem. Started to calculate, started to put numbers together, and how many times, it's just... This thing in us that want to fix it. And when we do fix it, we feel good about it. Right? It's nice to figure something out tonight. It's great. But maybe the solution for that problem was with Jesus. And then we know Andrew, I think it was Andrew, one of the apostles came afterwards and there was a boy with bread and fishes and it multiplied and it was this great miracle. And all along Jesus knew how he wanted to solve this problem. And it wasn't to rely on Philip. He was hoping that Philip would rely on him. Actually, Philip had to turn, God, I don't know, but I think you know. You are the Messiah, right? You are all-knowing, right? You are sovereign and all-powerful, right? And sometimes we don't 
turn to God in, in those difficult times. Verse 25 to 27, it's a very difficult one, but it's the test of our motives. And it says the following. And just to give context of this, afterwards the, the crowds was fed. Jesus moves to the other side of the lake. The people followed him. And on that side, they came to him after this great miracle took place. And then Jesus tested why these people are coming to him again. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they, say, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miracles, signs, but because you ate the loaves and had you filled. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, or Jesus, will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. How many times haven't you approached God to, to, to pull his hand and then you miss his heart? How many times haven't you come to God and say, God, would you do this to me or for me? Wouldn't you solve this for me? And our motives is actually to get something from rather than to enjoy the person of Jesus. And the test of our motives is actually one of the most, I think, the difficult things in our society. Because our society is a society, the Western culture is about comfort. It's a me culture. It's about my success and my future and my life and my wife and my dog. That's the Western culture. And how can God serve me? And how can I come to church and how can this, how can this church serve me? I hope the preaching is great. I hope the pastor is a little bit older. He doesn't look that wise. I can't believe he doesn't have a button shirt. Yes, see, disrespectful. <laughs> but there's something in us that craves that, how will this thing satisfy me? And I think it is to an extent, there's, there's something that we, we want God but actually we, we want God for ourselves to serve us and not to serve God. I've, I've tried to think about relationships in this life that, is, that represents this. But I can only find warp relationships where you only want a person for what you can get from them and not to love the other person. Where we approach another person only for the benefit of what they can give. Jesus is testing our hearts, and I want to encourage us that, that we won't just look for his hands. Ultimately, he looks for your heart, and when he gets your heart, hopefully he gets your hands and, as well. That when, when, when we get tested on this, that we will say, God, you have my heart and my hands. But when we come to him, we want to say, God, whatever it takes, I want your heart, and I hope that you would come through in this, but at least I have Jesus. And sometimes in a situation, the best we need and the only thing we need is Jesus. Because He is the one that satisfies all our needs. He is the Prince of Peace. Those that are justified by faith have peace with God. Isn't that enough? That you can rest in Jesus. The world doesn't have rest. But those that trust in God have rest in this life. Even if the circumstances doesn't make sense. Two more. 
The next one is the test of obedience. And this is after Jesus has given a very, very difficult teaching about eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood. And it was a difficult teaching for the people of that day because they didn't have insight like us into the scriptures that he was actually speaking about him going to die on a cross and shedding his blood and that we can partake in a salvation that he has freely given to us by his death on the cross. And they struggled with this teaching, and we read it here. Um, verse 60 says, On hearing it, the difficult teaching, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Let's go to verse 66 after he gives this explanation. And afterwards, when he gives this explanation, he says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. He gave a hard teaching, and it was difficult for them to understand, and they just turned from him. He just fed 5,000 people miraculously. He just challenged people and preached an amazing message. He he is God in front of them, and he's like, ah, oh, I don't know, that's a bit difficult. And I thought about obedience in such a way, the test of obedience, that when we get saved, it's like jumping off a waterfall. I don't know if you guys have done that. I'm quite fear of heights, and I don't like water. So jumping off waterfalls and things into waterfalls, it's, it's quite something for me. But it's quite extreme, and it's quite radical, and it's quite like sudden when we come to Christ. And all of a sudden, you're in this sea of water and being taken down this river and it's quite exciting and you are obedient through this river and you're going down 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 it's like woo, obedience and your life changed and you're giving yourself to God and and you're just like changing the whole time like where is uh, the freeze sitting there's the freeze so the freeze got saved um two or three months ago right 20th of november Great, yeah. That oak just jumped off the waterfall. He comes to me with a list of questions. And how can I, like you visitors, watch out for that guy. Like he'll come for you. He's like, how can I pull them in and make them a part of the family and say Josh Jen is the best church ever? I'm like, yeah, oh, maybe don't say that. But, and, and just guiding him because he's so hungry to be obedient to the Lord. But they know there will come a time in his life that he's down the river of obedience and then there's these little ponds that start to form. And he's like, yes, he let me get a lilo. <laughs> and some sort of kawaii smoothie. Simon calls it a kawaii smoothie. And you're going to sit in that lilo. And you're like, yes, this is quite nice. I'm a com leader now. I'm settling in. I found my family. And you start to just settle in this set, this and you think you've arrived, but actually you stagnated. And have you ever seen dams that just stops? It starts to froth. And something starts to ha happen that no fresh water of obedience starts to flow into. And all of a sudden you find yourself that you're a com leader. You might be a deacon or an elder in the church, but you've stopped being obedient. And then some hard teachings come from the front. And he's like, Henry, you're asking me to change? Yes. 
And no, it's not me asking, it's Christ. It's God wanting us to change continually and go through this test so that the genuineness of your faith will come, so that on that day you'll be a pure and spotless bride before Him and look beautiful, continually going through the fire, finding yourself in difficulties, but you shine like Jesus. You look like Jesus. If you find yourself at a place that you've not been challenged in a week, a month, in a while, you might have come to a place of stagnation and say, God, I don't want to move from here. And you've settled at a place. The last one I want to, the test of peer pressure. Verse 67, it's just the next verse. Then there's many disciples leave and there's the 12 apostles standing there and he turns to them and he starts to challenge and test their faith. You don't want to leave too, do you? He didn't have a lot of tact, it feels like. He's just like, half of you guys leave, and then the other half is standing here. Will you look up? You guys also want to go. That's a church growth strategy right there. He's just like, here we go. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. I promise you that in this life you will be tested on pure pressure, even within the church. That there will be many people around you that will be fiery for God, but at a, at a time in their life they might find themselves in that pond and just settling. Settling for where they're at, settling for lukewarmness, settling for a place of not wanting the more of God. And you will have to pass that test of saying, God, God, I want more. I don't want to settle with the crowd. Even if it's your whole community, be that one. Saying, guys, there's more for us. There's more for us. There's more for us. And I want to speak that over us even tonight. For Stellenbosch PM, there's more for us. There's more for you in God. Don't settle and say, I'm, I can't pass this test. Many of you are settling with hurt and unforgiveness and even church hurt from the past. Don't settle. God wants to test that faith and let it shine genuinely before him on that day. And yes, I love that words because Simon Peter passed the test. He caught it. He caught it. He said, God, where shall we go? It's a difficult teaching, we know. We saw the crowds leaving. We saw you testing the people before. And, but where shall we go? It's only with Christ that we find eternal life. Not in my own self-reliance, not in my way in figuring it out, but with Jesus. We have come to believe, to know that you are the Holy One of God that is faithful and that will carry me through the storms. God, you can take the storm away. Job prayed, though you slay me, though you take everything away, yet I will praise you. That is our heart, that Job got everything took away from him. Yet I will praise you. I don't care. I want Christ. May that be our heart in the difficulty to shine brightly for Jesus during this year. Pastor's test. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for us and then I'm going to hand over to Mac. Let's close our eyes. Father, it's sometimes 
not sometimes, it's every time so difficult to speak about the griefs and the difficulties of life. And God, I don't want to take it for granted that there's people sitting in front of me and even myself that has went through extremely, extremely, extremely tough times, Lord, and maybe are still going through things, God. Just thinking about the divorce recovery and even in my own life, God, going through my parents going through a divorce and we, we ask, why God? We look at people's lives falling apart and we look at just the things that we have to face and maybe job difficulties. Just thinking about having a conversation today with one of you guys. Job difficulties and you see Lord, we don't always know why but we know that the purpose behind it is that there will be a genuineness and shining bright for Jesus. Father, I know for me that I, want, I don't want to stand on that last day and say, yes, see, I tested and I tested, but there was more for you, Henry. God, we want to pass the test, not out of our self-reliance, but relying and trusting in Christ and Christ alone. Father, may we be found, may Salambosh PM be found on that last day saying that we've passed the test. Hallelujah. Father, we've clinged onto you and we've hold on to Christ and we've found the only hope, and that is in Jesus Christ, our Savior, the only one, the only one that can give us purpose and sense in this life. We love you. We want to we cling on to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. That was... Good steak to chew on. Um, just mention those four tests again. I must remember it. <laughs> it's the test of um, self-reliance, the test of obedience, the test of peer pressure, and the test of our hearts, the test of our motives.